0: When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. Good news. You've found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much. Welcome
1: to Growing Wealth, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers every weekend. My name's Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, founder and president of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Brian, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. Certainly glad to have our listeners with us every week. We hope everybody is doing well today, too. Brian, a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, inflation is on everyone's minds. It seems that at every turn, everything is more expensive. And I've got to wonder, you know, when is all this going to end? So we're going to be talking about that today. What is causing inflation in today's world? Also, then we'll get into strategies to offset inflation. Also, what is a flat market cycle? High inflation can lead to a flat market cycle. And then lifestyle planning with inflation, how you want to reverse engineer your life to a certain extent. But first of all, Brian, let's talk about high inflation. What is causing this high inflation?
2: Well, that's a complicated answer to a complicated question. Um, there's a lot of things that can cause inflation. I don't necessarily agree with what I hear when I turn on the news and different pundits are up there. Oh, I know what's causing inflation and I'll throw something out there. It's like, what? Uh, I don't think it's high corporate taxes or causing inflation, you know, or whatever we hear from the pundits. So, you know, one of the most basic things, let's get right down to the basic thing, the economics 101 thing, uh, the supply and demand. Right. So, when we get back to supply and demand, if you have a constant demand for goods or services and your supply is constricted, the same number of people are chasing after fewer number of goods or services, or they're, they're you know the people selling those goods or services can sell them for more because everybody wants them, and that's the basics to inflation. If you have constriction in supply, and we have what do we have? A uh, supply chain problems, huh? Okay, so I go back to did our demand for goods and services drop? No. Did our supply of goods and services drop? Yes. We took a whole bunch of people out of the labor markets. We have constricted supply of goods around the globe, whether it's semiconductors or wheat or or oil or whatever. And so they're constricted. So prices go up. That's just basic economics 101. The two curves on the, the basic economic. I think we, we did this the first week in Economics 101 right, at right. WSU uh, this is what we talked about supply and demand. So just on the supply side alone you can create inflation. Now how did we get to that restriction of supply is another you know discussion. I mentioned a couple things. I mentioned wheat okay well Russia invading uh, Ukraine was a bad thing and that caused a problem with the wheat market you know oil prices, gas prices well when you uh, close pipelines and Restrict supply you're going to have problems. And then uh, Russia, you know, that's part of it too. But this stuff was happening way before Putin invaded Ukraine. The the oil prices were going up, up, up way before that. So it wasn't just Putin invading uh, Ukraine. It was our own domestic policies, I'm sure, with that. So anything that, uh, you know, semiconductors and so forth, COVID uh, certainly had an effect there and our over-reliance on China to manufacture semiconductors, uh, pharmaceuticals, and pretty much everything we buy (laughs) when we go shopping. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the over reliance on that certainly contributed to it. So that's the basic one. That's you know the, some of the basic stuff, the supply and demand curve. But the other big one is printing more money. You know, when you create more money through the you know government passing spending bills and so forth, in the multiple trillions of dollars, you know, you water down the value of a dollar. So when you water down the value of a dollar, you got to spend more to get the same thing. That's real basic too. There's, it's not brain surgery there. That otherwise. Why don't we just have the government print everybody a million dollars and give it to them?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well,
2: why, why not? That would be easy. Hey, oh, yeah, anybody sure. listen on the show, how about we, we print one million dollar bill and there give it to every man, woman, child in America? And that would solve everything, right? Well, except that that million dollar bill could still only buy a loaf of bread. That's right. Because you would have hyperinflation That's like right. they do in countries that did that. That's mm-hmm. been tried. I remember as a little kid, I was like collecting coins and stamps and stuff, I collected these bills, and they were German bills. And they were a hundred thousand marks each, and I would look on in the paper and say, "Well, they're worth forty cents each." I kind of <laughs> doubt <laughs> I just, I have a bunch of four hundred thousand dollar bills here, and so I did a little more research. Oh, that's the old mark during hyperinflation, yeah. or or uh, I think Jeff, you gave me a hundred trillion dollar Zimbabwe. Oh notes. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, and I've got some of those uh, currencies in my filing cabinet here. You reminded me when you were talking about the German currency, and I think it was you that told me the story of the man who had a wheelbarrow worth of coins or something like that, and he took it and left the wheelbarrow outside, and somebody... <laughs> I think that's a, a a joke. I don't think I told you
2: that one, but I, I, yeah, the uh, that has happened in our history. Venezuela tried that. They were the richest country in South America, and they inflated their currency, and it didn't buy anything anymore. It's completely worthless.
1: Yeah, well, the story goes that the man had the old marks like that, and he had a wheelbarrow full of money. And he was going to the store and he was going to buy something like a couple of loaves of bread or something. And the wheelbarrow is very heavy. So he leaves it outside the market. He goes in and, you know, he's going to bring his, his money in to buy this loaf of bread. He goes out and he was robbed. They didn't steal the money. They dumped all the money on the ground and stole the wheelbarrow <laughs> yeah, because the wheelbarrow that. was worth more than the money sure, was.
2: Sure, sure it was. And so what we did, was we borrowed a lot of money during COVID to make sure we didn't Going to, we were in a quick recession, and I think uh, powers of B were worried about a depression. So, uh, some money was borrowed, and so we didn't go into a depression. So we we know that occurred. So. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with borrowing, it happened. The government was trying to borrow a whole lot more. Thankfully, they did not. Because if you think inflation <laughs> mm-hmm. is bad now, imagine if they borrowed another 5 or $10 trillion. It'd be just ridiculous. But they did not. Uh, that didn't pass, uh, thankfully. But what we're getting now is we're paying for it. So yeah, okay, it, it was easy to do. You know, We borrowed all that money during COVID and we didn't put it into the economy and PPP loans and checks to everybody, and put right. a whole bunch of money out there. And And that felt good for everybody. And a lot of people are going, why can't we just do this all the time? well, we did it once and now we're already paying for it. So now everybody's got a pay cut. It's called inflation. And so we're dealing with the aftermath of that now. We're paying the price now. It's kind of like somebody just going to the bank and going, yeah, I just got a $50,000 line of credit. Man, I went out and bought all this stuff. I feel really good. Yeah. And then for the next you know, 10 years you're going, I don't feel so good. I have (laughs) to pay some money for something that wore out the first six months after I bought it nine and a half years ago. I'm still paying on it. So that's essentially where I think we're at.
1: Yeah. And you talked about debt and I get these offers all the time. You're pre-approved. We can send you $50,000. We'll have in your bank account tomorrow. But you know, I'm smart enough to know that I've got to pay that back. So I'm not going to take advantage of that. We've got record revolving debt in this country right now. Recent survey shows March 22 showed a staggering 35.3% increase in revolving debt, $841 billion. That is a bubble that's going to burst at some point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, people don't like to think about this stuff because, you know, you think about it, that's on the macro or the micro level for the individual. But on the macro level, you know, we still have this massive national debt. Okay, well, that just can't go on forever and think that your dollar is going to go as far as it goes right now. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that already. And so that is one of the problems to this growing national debt and the deficits that we're running. So uh, we have to keep having this conversation and truly, uh, you know, I, I won't spend too much time on that. That's a bigger topic than this show can cover. But that is definitely something to keep our, our eye on as to uh, how, how much money we think we're going to have. And, and that's why the financial planning aspect of what we do is so important because things are going to change. Right. If you think that the dollar is going to go as far in 10 years as it is today, you're, I'd say you're wrong. And you have to account for that. And we are going to talk about a little bit about that on the show is how to protect your financial future against inflation.
1: Right. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, airfares are up. You've flown recently. You know that. Gasoline up 43 percent from a year ago. Food prices up 10 percent and more, depending upon what you buy. Rents up 25 to 30 percent here in the Puget Sound and more in other parts of the country. And new and used cars are way up as well, too. That's called inflation 2022 style. Now, we had inflation, I mean, back in the Jimmy Carter years. Is that different than it is today? And how do we come out of that? And is there anything that we can learn from that so that we can come out of this.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of issues in the years that that went by. I know back in the 60s, uh, President Johnson launched the Great Society, uh, a bunch of reforms and ramped up government spending and and so forth. And we had a lot of inflation. And then there was fear that the the Fed would be raising rates. And that fear led to more inflation. Just the fear itself led to inflation. I kind of see that repeating right now to a, a great degree. But at the same time, in the 80s, yeah, after Jimmy Carter, we had that stagflation and all all that stuff we had the worst of everything, mm-hmm. essentially. And then uh, Paul Volcker became the Fed chair, and when inflation was out of control, and he took a lot of steps to get it under control, but they were painful steps. So steps meaning people couldn't buy houses, and steps meaning that that you know you, you, borrowing money was almost impossible. Unemployment was high. Mm-hmm. There was there's going to be a lot of pain to get it back down potentially. So hopefully between uh, the things that have been tried and failed and things have been tried and, and worked. I know uh, you know, Reagan was, was elected after that. He, he was a believer in supply side economics, where you put more money in the hands of job producers, you will uh, spur the economy. And I don't know that that exactly worked or didn't work, but I can say uh, it, it potentially works because... Things got a lot better in the 80s uh, mm-hmm. from where they were in the 70s, a lot, lot better. So, certainly, there are things that we can look at historically that have worked and certain things that have not worked. But I, I think for anything, there is no easy answer. If, if we find something that does work to control inflation, it will be painful for some people. Some people that, again, maybe want to buy a house, all of a sudden, oh, mortgage rates are too high. You can't right. buy a house. You're stuck paying inflated rental rates now.
1: Right, exactly. And I've seen that mortgage applications are way down too. So this is what inflation causes. It is here, but hopefully it is not here to stay. We're talking with Brian Evans from of Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Our show, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You know, there's a good chance that if you do retire on time, you're going to spend about 30 years or more enjoying retirement. And if you're not rooted deep enough, this inflation is one of the storms that can knock your financial plan over. There is something you can do about that. Get your financial roots checked by requesting a rooted wealth analysis. Simply go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to see how deep your financial roots are. We're going to ask you about five simple questions and then schedule a 15-minute call so we can pair you with the right advisor to answer your particular questions. Sustain yourself and your wealth. Request your compliment rooted wealth analysis today. Go to madronafinancial.com and click on the button get started. Time for a break, Brian. When we come back, we'll talk about strategies to offset inflation and your retirement plan. All that and more when our show continues after this. Declare your retirement independence today with Madrona Financial Services. Having the right investment strategy can allow you all sorts of freedom to do what you want, when you want, for the rest of your life. You've worked hard, you've saved a lot, and at Madrona Financial Services, we want to help you avoid what's likely your single largest expense in retirement taxes. With all the economic fallout from the pandemic and the new administration settling in, taxes are almost certainly on the rise. Somebody has to pay for the trillions in debt we're racking up, right? Don't let it be you. Call Madrona Financial Services at 844 Madrona and learn about what it means to truly achieve retirement independence. The number is 844 MADRONA, or you can learn more online by visiting MadronaFinancial.com. That's MadronaFinancial.com. Old fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding. That's the Madrona way, madronafinancial.com.
0: Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial
2: Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about strategies to offset inflation.
1: Okay, Brian, we have talked about how bad inflation is. Hopefully, it's going to get better. But, you know, we have to live in the present right now. Let's say that we've got money in the market. Let's say that we're going to retire in five, ten years or so. Let's talk about some strategies to offset inflation. What are some of the tools that you may use?
2: Yeah, we talk about the tools. But before we get there, we have to talk about the big picture. picture because anything we talk about on this show, we are not giving advice, of course, because we don't know your situation. And we don't give advice unless we know the whole thing. So some people call and say, yeah, I have this this investment I want to make. And, and you know, what do you recommend? And I'm going to put some money. And we say, well, we'd like you to go through our rooted wealth analysis and fill out a questionnaire. I really don't want to do that. I just want to invest some money and want you to put me in the best investment. We're not going to work together, just telling you right now, because that's that's not what we do. What we're doing is something so much broader, and I have to look at everything. Now, you and I were talking about, during break, about an analogy. And the analogy was because you were asking me about somebody that you knew, and they had a question about what they should do with particular investments in their 401k plan. And rather than just saying it depends, I I went a little deeper dive with you and we talked about what it is we do and why to a greater extent.
1: Right. And this was a couple who were very worried because they opened up their statement and they had seen that their 401k was tanking and they wanted to know, should we pull it all out? Should we reallocate? What should we do? And as you said, there's no blanket answer because you don't know these people.
2: Yeah, I don't know their other assets. I don't know if they have pensions. I don't know if they have inheritances. I don't know what their risk tolerance is. I don't know their age or health. I don't know any of that stuff. And so the analogy we're making is you really know your cars and I don't. And I'm going to drive up. Jeff, I got something
1: wrong with my car. Could you tell me how to fix it? (laughs) Well, I couldn't do that, Brian, because I haven't looked at your car. I haven't looked inside. I mean, it could be any number of a 100 different things. I can't give you one set answer until I've evaluated the entire picture. But Jeff, you know a lot about
2: cars, and I, I really don't want to lift the hood. Uh, I, don't, I don't have time for you to look at the look at the engine or diagnose it. Can't you just give me a good answer on how to fix my car?
1: I could give you a good answer. It may not be the correct answer. We could try something, but chances are you're going to be back because it wasn't the right thing. Because again, in order to do the right thing, I've got to have all the information.
2: Well, you see, I don't want to pay somebody to actually do a diagnosis on this, Jeff. I just like to do it myself. Um so I fixed my car the last five times. Of course it hasn't run each time uh very well and um but I like to save money. Uh but I want my car to run, but I I'm a do it yourselfer to, yeah. to save money. Uh, This analogy, I think, works in this case because I'm like, well, I can't answer a question unless I've seen everything. I need to know a lot of things that they're all, you know, in our financial planning process and our rooted wealth wealth analysis. It's in our questionnaire that we ask to fill out. We don't ask people to fill out because we like wasting people's time. Right. Or uh, we're just nosy. Oh, I just want to know how much you have. I don't really care. You know, that's not why we do it, of course. We need to do that to do a proper diagnosis. And then we can give good answers and are the best answers we can give based upon knowing what's going on with all the different variables that are surrounding the question.
1: So, Brian, I guess the takeaway here is that most people don't have a clear metric. I mean, they pull around 4% out of their plan. They hope that their investments grow at the same rate as inflation, and they don't need to think about it.
2: Yeah, I remember way back in the day when I started a financial planning business here, the rule of thumb was more like 8% because we had inflation, and the markets were going up, and people were pulling 8%, and they were fine, until they weren't, until uh, 2000, 2001, 2002 happened, and then it was a disaster. And then the new number was 6%. Now it's 4%. Now you read all these articles. Well, you can't do that. You'll, You'll run out of money. And then we read things like sequence of return risk and that can destroy a portfolio. If you have it all in stocks and bonds, you're pulling a set draw amount every year. When you have a down market and you're pulling it out of a down market that can't recover, that money doesn't come back and you could devastate your financial plan. So that is not enough. Yeah, having that, that typical go to the broker, uh, the one at the strip mall, and put your money in the 60-40 stock bond split and pull 4% a year, that may work, but it may not. And I don't really think that people with, uh, that have had enough money in their life should put their uh, eggs in the may not basket. <laughs> so uh, we like to do the planning around that. There's a lot of different products and a lot of different strategies out there that can account for inflation. And now that we have inflation, you have this new risk to your portfolio, not only within the investments themselves, but within the spending relative to how much cash flow you're pulling and where you're pulling it
1: from. Yeah, and you're right. You talked about spending there. I mean, creating a retirement distribution plan is really going to be critical. Make sure you incorporate a COLA, a cost of living adjustment. And I mean, what has been the COLA? What do you typically use as a COLA? Well, when we
2: talk about the cost of living adjustment, we can kind of go down the list of the The first thing is to make sure that your social security strategy is in place, because when we talk about inflation, we're talking about needing more money in the future than we would today that things are going to cost more, that uh, it's going to take more money to uh, live the quality of life you want to live. And if we're talking three years, okay, that's one computation. If we're talking 30 years, that's a whole different story. Boy, that number can extrapolate pretty quick. So now we have to start breaking our financial planning into its components. And so the first component might be the social security. And we know that there's built-in gains for every year you wait. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can put you through an optimization program, talk about that, your health, your life expectancy or other assets to figure out what the best strategy is. Clearly, you you know, if you live a long time, you know, you want to wait till age 70 before you take it because you're getting six and a half percent raises from age 62 through full retirement age. And then you're getting 8% permanent raises from full retirement age to age 70. And so some people do that as a form of making sure they have enough money later in life because that payment's higher. But if you can't afford to wait that long, it's a whole different story. The next thing we might look at is the annuity world. So I want to spend some time talking about this because annuities are very, everybody has a different opinion on them.
1: Yeah, and I want to chime in a little bit about the Social Security. When we talked about the COLA or the cost of living adjustment, 5.9% is what Social Security gave you last year. I've seen it being uh, rumored this year that it may be as much as 9%, maybe as much as 10% with a cost of living adjustment as far as Social Security. And for a lot of people, Social Security is the best rock of their income plan. But as you said, there are other ways that you can create income in retirement. So let's explore annuities a little bit.
2: You know, I just one one comment on that. It's interesting, even if it goes up nine percent. I know inflation on the things that people spend way more than that is way more than that. So you might think, oh, great, I'm getting nine percent more, but why can't? Why is my grocery bag smaller?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen. I mean, they reported something like eight point five percent in March, but I've seen uh, figures that have been as much as twenty eight percent overall. But again, it depends upon the sector. Gasoline is up forty percent. Some things are up less.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you go to the store and you're buying, you know, you go to the store, your gas is 40% 40% more. You left your apartment rent and, and your rental was, went up 20%. Yeah. you go to the store and you buy bread and wheat went up and that's double. You buy some chicken, that's up 70%. I mean, boy, that 9% sounds
1: good, but I don't know if it gets you there. But back to the annuity <laughs> Yeah, because we've got to create some increasing income. And as you said, Social Security, if it goes up 9%, that's certainly not going to keep up with inflation for the time being. But how can we really combat this in the future by using annuity?
2: Yeah, so annuities is a tool. And what does this tool do? Because every every investment is a different tool. Every investment has a different purpose. And I like the tool analogy because a saw has a different purpose than a hammer, has a different purpose than a screwdriver. It's not good or bad. It just depends on what, what job you're trying to tackle. So if the job you're trying to tackle is increasing lifetime cash flow, it's guaranteed. Oh, Okay, I, I'm thinking fixed index annuity with uh, an increasing lifetime cash flow component to it. Because what else can I invest in that does that? Well, stock market, does that have a guaranteed lifetime, increasing lifetime cash flow? No. A stock market liquid? Oh, yeah. Can it grow really much more than annuity? Sure, it can. Can it lose a lot more? Sure, it can. Okay, it, it does different things. It's not good or bad, it well it depends on the market. But you know, it it does a different purpose. And so the purpose of annuities can be life guaranteed lifetime income. But most annuities that are sold by annuity salespeople for guaranteed lifetime income are flat payout annuities. That is by far the vast majority of the annuities have been sold because they pay the most on the outset. They pay the most in the early years, and that's For a salesperson, that's a more attractive thing to put in front of somebody. Okay, so they sell this stuff. But 20 years from now, when you thought, why, that extra 20 grand a year coming in is really a lot. And 20 years from now, you're going, huh. That doesn't seem like much anymore, you know, or maybe 20 years ago, it was 5,000 a year. Boy, that was a lot 20 years ago. Now, $5,000 a year doesn't seem like very much. And so that's the reality. And when you have inflation, that could be a big mistake, a big mistake. And that's what most annuity salespeople are putting in front of people is these flat payout annuities. Now, for years and years and years, we haven't had inflation, but I'm old enough to know that we do from time to time Mm -hmm. and that it could happen. And if I'm wrong, great. You have increasing lifetime capital. Cash flow. So, you know, I've been really promoting when it's appropriate to have guaranteed lifetime cash flow that we make sure it's one with increasing guaranteed lifetime cash flow, not a flat payout. Because again, if we had inflation, I'll be so glad I did that. And if we didn't have inflation, oh, I'll still be glad we did that because you'll have more money as the years go by if you live a long time. And the only reason I wouldn't do that because you got to give up something is in the early years, maybe the first eight or nine or 10 years, whatever it is, you'll be getting less money than you, would have had you gotten with a flat payout. But for the rest of your life, you'll be glad you did because you'll be getting more money than you had if you gone with a flat
1: payout. And I'm very surprised, as you said, I mean, these flat payout annuities, some of these annuities that I've heard annuity salespeople sell people and, you know, they're in their 70s and 80s and they're selling them annuities.
2: Uh, we, Yeah. So annuities come in the two flavors, there's the lifetime cash flow, and then there's the accumulation annuities. So if for somebody older like that, yeah, the, you know, some bells can go off. There. I really don't see where selling somebody a uh, guaranteed lifetime cash flow in their 70s or 80s makes any sense. The numbers don't work out. Okay. So I'll just say that uh, generally speaking, I don't rem- remember. Situations where the numbers work out, where that makes sense, uh, guaranteed lifetime cash flow annuities make a lot of sense if you if you got some time on your side. That's when they make sense, and that's that's when they make sense for you because, gosh, don't you want to protect for the long term, uh, for the unknown? That's what they're for. What if you outlive? You know, if you're worried about outliving your money, what's better than something uh, guaranteed increasing lifetime cash flow? I, I think that's probably sounds like a pretty good thing. I have seen situations where seventy and eighty year olds say, "I haven't." Enough money, and I have enough liquidity. Mm. I have enough liquidity from everything else I have. I just want to protect what I have. That's an accumulation annuity. And for them, you can buy shorter-term ones. You can do a three-year fixed annuity, and you might have a five-year or seven-year fixed index annuity, where you get a percentage of the gain in the S&P 500 or a cap to the S&P 500, and you have a downside risk of zero. It right. can't drop in a given year. So it's a way to protect money. And a lot of them have free withdrawals you can make that don't have surrender fees. And so in those cases, it can be okay for an accumulation annuity, but not so much for the guaranteed lifetime cash flow annuity.
1: Well, there's a lot to know about annuities. As you said, they're just another tool in the toolbox. But to know which tool is right for you, you really got to know the person and what their goals are. We're listening to Brian Evans here at Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Our program's called Growing Your Wealth. We've been talking about strategies to offset inflation. If you're getting ready to retire, you know, you've really got to check your financial roots. We've all seen these big trees that are blown over by the side of the road there because a storm came along and you're surprised such a big tree was blown over. And then you look at the bottom of it, it has these little tiny roots. Well, we want to make sure that your financial plan is rooted well enough that when a financial storm comes along, that it's not going to blow your financial tree over on its side like that, but you can get a rooted wealth analysis that will check the depth and the health of your roots. All you've got to do is go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button to get your Rooted Wealth Analysis. We're going to ask about five simple questions there, then schedule a 15-minute call so we can pair you with the right advisor to answer your specific questions. Once again, go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button to get your Rooted Wealth Analysis. We'll take a quick break, Brian. When we come back, we'll talk about high inflation can lead to a flat market cycle and more when our show continues after this. Inflation frustration. You probably don't know what that means, but if you bought a gallon of milk for $1.50 in 1975, and you just went to the store to pay more than double that today, well, I hate to break it to you, but you're experiencing inflation frustration. One of the most important things to plan for, especially in retirement, is inflation. It can happen while you're not paying attention and seriously damage your buying power and longevity of funds. If your investment strategy isn't dealing with inflation frustration, then you're putting yourself at risk. Madrona Financial Services designs retirement plans that take things like inflation, future health care expenses, and exposure to unnecessary risk into account when creating unique retirement plans. Call Madrona Financial Services right now for something that's not impacted by inflation. A free financial review with no obligation. Call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA, or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's
0: madronafinancial.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and
2: Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're talking about how high inflation can lead to a flat market
1: cycle. And first of all, Brian, let's define what a market cycle really is.
2: Yeah, it's it's a little difficult. I mean, I can read about market cycles and we can look them up and all that stuff. The thing about, to me, about looking in the past, a lot of pundits are out there saying, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're doing this or we're doing that. And here's how it's going to react in the future. And if they were right, they probably wouldn't be pundits. They'd probably be some of the richest people on the planet if they actually knew what was going to happen each time the market was going to do something. And so you know, they're, they're paid to prognosticate and make it interesting. And you can look at past cycles and go, oh, we're seeing a repeat of that. But nothing's ever the same. Every cycle we have is like, oh, that one reacted differently than the ones in the past. There might be some common themes and some similarities, but you know, we'll, we will see some recurring themes. But we see differences because the world is different. Our technology is different. The way we trade stocks is different. Uh, Computer trading, the global economies are different. The middle class is bigger than it's ever been. Different sectors react differently to different markets in different times. So it's very difficult just to kind of go, oh, yeah, I've I've seen this before and it's going to repeat a certain way. It's not going to. If we all knew what it was going to do, we'd either be all in the triple inverse of the market or the triple positive of the market. Uh, We would just gamble to the nth degree on the direction of what we thought it was going to do based on studies from the past because the studies don't necessarily repeat. But we can know that high inflation, uh, gee, is that a good thing for markets or a bad thing for markets? I'm going to say it's not really a good thing. You know, there's some basic themes that we can go to. Is rising rates good for markets or bad for markets? I'm going to say that it's generally bad for markets. It's not necessarily bad for uh, real estate investors, but it is for markets. Are rising rates good for bonds or bad for bonds? I definitely know it's bad for bonds because uh, mathematically, bonds lose money when interest rates go up.
1: Well, Brian, when you talk about market cycles, I mean, there's no doubt that we're in a bear market right now. I mean, we've seen the Dow drop 1,100 points here recently, and then things bounce back up and people get false hope. Is that a dangerous thing to get false hope like this in a down market?
2: Well, yeah, that's an interesting question, because there are people that are, are looking at the markets like that going, oh, my gosh, I feel good. I feel bad. I I feel fear. I feel greed. I feel this. I feel that. And if you've done a proper financial plan, you probably aren't paying as much attention. You don't need to pay as much attention to the daily ups and downs, because I know that let's say that you have a financial plan and you have increasing lifetime cash flow annuities and you have fixed index universal life you've been paying into for monthly for for years and years for tax-free cash flow in your retirement. And you've got some real estate investment trusts. You've got some equity REITs, some debt REITs. You had a rental, you sold it, you did a DST with that. You've got all these different investments out there. You've got some buffered products. You've got whatever in your stock market portfolio. You didn't go overweight on bonds. You underweighted them significantly because you knew interest rates were going up. So you knew that was probably a pretty risky investment. And so you have all this different stuff diversified across. Across all the different asset categories I can think of here. And you're going, huh, I really don't care about the ups and downs. The question you have to answer is the portion of your money in the stock market, is that the right portion? And if it is the right portion, is it in the right, the things that you think will do well? And if it is, do you think the market will be higher or lower when you need to start drawing on that money? If you think it's going to be higher, then that's probably a good place for you to be because you can't predict, really, I mean, maybe you think you can, maybe you can. not I don't think uh, anybody really knows. Uh, you can't really necessarily predict if the market a month from now is going to be higher or lower than it is today. I can't even predict it tomorrow. I sure can't predict it in a month. That's a hard thing to do. So if you're comfortable with your percentages and where they're at that are in the market, that are in real estate, that are in the annuities, that are in uh, FIULs, that are in all the different areas, if you're comfortable with those and you believe that the market's gonna be higher, you're probably okay being in the market.
1: And Brian, speaking of the market, we've discussed before in this program that bonds are the biggest sector of the market right now. People are not comfortable with bonds at this point in time what Are some of the alternatives?
2: Yeah, what's interesting is the the old tried and true, which uh, we've been railing against for years 60 40 stock bond split, 40 60 stock bond split. You know, if you're 60 years old, the rule of 100 says that you uh, put the, your age into bonds and the rest in the stocks. And uh, you know, when you're 70, you got 70% in bonds and 30% in stocks. When you're 80, you have know, 80% in bonds, and 20% in stocks, et cetera. Well, And we've been talking about on the show for a long time. If rates are going up, bonds lose money. And guess what? Rates went up and bonds lost money this year. A lot of money. So uh, if you're in the stock market, which also has had a very difficult year, and the rest of your money is in the bond market, which has had a very difficult year, you've probably had a very difficult here <laughs> when you look at your statements. And so you don't have any offsets. I do know that these are the years where, you know, in prior years, it's always interesting. People, you know, markets have been going up, up, up. And, and they're going, well, why did we put any money in this other stuff? Markets have been great. Why didn't we put it all there? Well, because it doesn't always do that. And now people are going, Boy, sure, I'm glad we didn't put all our money in the market because, boy, those annuities—how much do they lose? Uh, well, they don't lose money. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I I like not losing money when markets are down, and you know maybe my real estate—maybe it went up in value because real estate likes inflation. If you have fixed rate loans, we talk about that in a second. But maybe you're you're making money in parts of your portfolio. You're buffered in certain parts. You're not losing in parts. You're you're down in other parts, but they were up the last. 12 years. So you're still way up on on the stock market piece. And and maybe you were smart about bonds and got out or reduced your, your holdings in those before interest rates started creeping up as we knew they would probably do. So- Uh, you know, you're you're using the tools of of financial investment products uh, properly and having the right mix, you don't really have to watch the day-by-day stuff Mm -hmm. because it doesn't necessarily have to affect you because you've, you've got the balance that you needed when you put together your plan.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And the takeaway is to have a plan that can account for all these sort of things too. And of course, you offer a plan here at Madrona Financial Services, and we'll tell you more about this rooted wealth analysis that can lead to a plan that can withstand any financial storm in just a moment we will remind you about that. But again, getting back to alternatives to bonds, we had mentioned things like fixed index universal life policies, fixed index annuities, Delaware Statutory Trust. What are some of the other tools? Yeah, I mentioned about
2: real estate and why people that own real estate, sometimes inflation actually helps them as an investor, because often your, your your income is tied to inflation. Inflation happens, uh, rates go up, and we're seeing that right now. Rental rates are going up. Uh, industrial park rates are going up. Self-storage rates are going up. Rental house, apartment rates are going up. And so what's their expense? Well, their expenses are flat. Their primary expense is flat for a real estate investor. That's your mortgage. If you have a fixed rate mortgage, that didn't go up. And so your outflow didn't go up, but your income did. Your profit went up, And so that's why uh, you like inflation sometimes if you're a real estate landlord. Or if you own equity REITs, where you have the underlying real estate, or Delaware Statutory Trust, these can all be good in an inflationary environment. So that's an alternative that people can use. They can also do something called a debt REIT. Back uh, after 2008, the government uh, made it, you know, a lot of regional banks shut down, a lot of new government regulation, banking regulations, basically the middle market and small market lending dried up. Big banks didn't care about that anymore, and small banks couldn't loan. Uh, They were under all this scrutiny and regulation. So it created a big void for small and mid, middle market uh, corporations to borrow from. And so the investment market created what's called debt REITs, which essentially act as a bank and give exceptional cash flow. I mean, there's, there's risk in everything. I mean, you the underlying security is the real estate or, or the property that, that is underlying those debts, but uh, they can produce cash flow there. So there's another alternative. I can't get into too much on this show. I don't have time, but. You know, there's a lot of different things to consider. If you're going to take a pension, maybe you have a choice of taking it with a cost of living adjustment or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're going to sign up for a long-term care policy, you can have one that's a flat payout or one with an inflationary rider built in. I would pick the inflationary rider. There's just a lot of things you you need to consider if you want to protect against inflation with your investment.
1: And you were talking about real estate and the fact that rents are going up all around the country. And uh, I think Nick Smelzer of our firm here mentioned that uh, he had heard that in Miami as much as eighty percent, and here in the Pacific Northwest, twenty-five to thirty percent. In most parts of the country, I can't think of any part of the country where rents are not going up, and you know, rental rates are just rising everywhere that you look. Is real estate in this environment even more attractive than it has been in the past because of recent developments?
2: Boy, that's a tough one because real estate values have gone up so much. And part of the reason they we went up is because we had low interest rates. Now, with the interest rates going up, that is going to put a little water on the fire there. You know, that's going to slow that, that thing down. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad investment because it's very difficult to find yield anymore. And real estate can produce a decent yield above uh, a lot of other things. And, you know, we used to go to bonds for yield and CDs for yield, but they, they just don't really have it right now. Or bonds are starting to get higher, you know, yields. Uh, so maybe maybe they're starting to catch up finally but, you know, you have to be real careful about real estate. Real estate is is a risky investment if you don't buy the right real estate at the right time. And so I like real estate as a component in portfolios. I liked it more two years ago than today. I will say that uh, because you we know, were buying it at a much lower amount and we've seen big gains in real estate uh, across the board in, in many different real estate categories across the country.
1: Well, let's just say if you're a current landlord and you're able to raise those rents, as you said, I think it was your uncle you were talking about when you were a kid who said, I actually like inflation.
2: Yeah, he taught me to actually like inflation. If you're a landlord, I'm like, what are you nuts? How can inflation be good? Isn't that always bad? And and that occurs to me I, on this show. I said, there's everything has pros and cons. Right, Even right, inflation right. can have a pro. The pro is if you're a landlord and you have fixed rate mortgages underlying your real estate. So everything can have pros and cons. Inflation typically has more cons than pros. You know, I got to look, look pretty hard to find a pro with that. But it is there for
1: my you know a real estate investment with fixed rate underlying loans. That's exactly right. If your loan is at 3% and you're able to raise the rent by 25%, just do the math. The Inflation is a good thing for you. We're talking with Brian Evans here, Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs in our program, Growing Your Wealth. Glad you could join us this week, and we've been discussing market cycles. We talked earlier about having a good financial plan, and really the way to design a good financial plan is to, first of all, check the health of your financial roots. Go to madronafinancial.com. We do have this rooted wealth analysis. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. Simply click on the Get Started button. There are a few questions that you'll answer to find out how well your plan is rooted so that when a financial storm blows our way, it doesn't blow your financial plan over on its side. Once again, to get your rooted wealth analysis, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. It'll only take a couple of minutes, but it could be a very, very valuable tool for you. Brian, time for a break here on Growing Your Wealth. When we come back, we'll talk about lifestyle planning with inflation and more our show continues after this at madrona financial services we believe you should never worry about running out of money in retirement retirement should be spent doing what you love with the people you love the cpas and financial advisors at madrona financial services want you to know that with proper financial planning that's exactly what you can have Their goal is to do everything they can to help you achieve a financially secure future. They have many tools and ways to help you reach your retirement goals, from guaranteed lifetime income streams and protection against market losses to alternative real estate investments and strategies to minimize your taxes. With the Madrona Bundle of Services, they have everything you'll need to plan for retirement under one roof. So schedule your complimentary meeting today and get back to enjoying your retirement. Call 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. They'll arrange a meeting at one of their three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that
0: works better for you. Take control of your financial future at madronafinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services
2: and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we'll be talking about the lifestyle planning with
1: inflation. And Brian, when you talk about lifestyle planning, and we discussed this off the air a little bit, you've really got to figure out what your lifestyle is gonna be in retirement. What you wanna do, how much that's gonna cost, and do a little bit of reverse engineering. So consider the phases of your retirement. Now, when you first retire, it's, oh boy, I don't have to go to work anymore. I've still got a lot of energy. There are a lot of things I wanna cross off my bucket list. Those are sort of the travel years versus the casual years. And I call those the go-go years.
2: Yeah. We talk about this all the time in financial planning because it's not not just about, oh, which ETF should I put my money in? Well, the ETF is a tool or which mutual fund should I buy or which stocks should I buy? You know, Those are just tools. What we have to do, I, I love the term reverse engineering. It applies to life in so many ways. I was just mentioning during break, I was at a board meeting last night in a nonprofit and and they were talking about these little steps that that they were making. They're all kind of going different direction. I was just going, wait, 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 let's fast forward 10 years. What do we want it to look like? If I know what we're solving for, we can make steps to get towards that, working towards that and reverse engineer it to today. But right now we're just going all these different directions. I don't even know what, we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know what we're working towards. We don't know anything unless we know what the goal looks like. It's the same thing with financial planning. I need to know what the goals are. Do you want to travel a lot in your 60s and not so much in your 80s? Okay, great. Do you want to leave a lot of money to your kids or charities? Great. Do you want to take care of yourself first? Do you want to have lots of security? Do you want to have lots of cash flow? Do you uh, spend a lot of money? Do you want to, you know, you got to kind of plan that life. What is your awesome life looking like in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? What do you want it to look like? And what do you prioritize? This is about priority advertising your wealth. What can you uh, do now to prioritize your priorities and work towards that? Lifestyle planning is to me is the probably the most important financial route that we're going to talk about. I mean, we, we talk about the rooted wealth analysis and the rooted wealth analysis. Everything's important. Healthcare. That's important, right? is it more important or less important? You know, it depends. Tax savings, uh, you know, some of these other ones, cash flow and retirement, they're all important, but probably at the deepest root maybe of all of them is the life, to me, is the lifestyle planning. What do you want that life to look like? Let's figure that out. That's that's not easy to do, but figure that out and now reverse engineer and start working towards that.
1: Yeah. And I've often said that, you know, you shouldn't let retirement or you shouldn't let life happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Make it happen for you. And the- that goes to reverse engineering and making a plan to get to where you want to be. We're talking about lifestyle planning with inflation here with Brian Evans from Drona Financial Services. So in the beginning, you've got your go-go years. You're ready to go. You're probably going to be crossing off a lot of those things on the bucket list. You need a certain amount of money to do that. But then, you know, seven, eight, ten years go by. You slow down a little bit. Now you've got your slow-go years. Uh, It's a little bit different plan.
2: Yeah, that's a little different plan. And it doesn't mean you stop doing stuff. It's just that, you know, maybe for a while, you're like, we're going to visit a new country every month for five years. i yeah. like, great, go for it. And then you're 75 years old and you go, mm. you know, I am so sick of airports <laughs> and, and crowds and right, right. trying to find a place to eat at a restaurant. I just love sitting out here and looking at the view and having a glass of wine at night and having nice and quiet. And that's not a bad thing. That's an awesome thing. So that just may be where you're at in life, that you like to do that. You go for a, a nice walk and all that stuff. And you don't need to go to, to Italy one week and Spain the next, and you know Germany the next. You're you're fine uh, out there looking at the mountains and the right. eagles and stuff. You know it's just a, a change, and that's okay. So that could be part of the planning. Well, I do have news for you on the on the spending side of things. It's a lot cheaper to sit there with a glass of oh, wine, yeah. enjoying the view, than it's going to Spain and Germany and, and France and Italy on a trip. And so that that's something that's part of the consideration as to how much money you're going to be spending.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you figure out an income plan, you probably want to front load a little bit to account for those go-go years. And then, as you said, when you slow down a little bit, then the expenses may go down some. But then you've got your no-go years where you really are not doing too much of anything. And I've often heard that health care expenses, along with taxes, two of the biggest expenses that you'll have in retirement. So do you plan sort of, a, you know, a, a dip? You've got more in the go-go years. You sort of go down in the slow-go years. And then your income, you know, expenses may go back up in the no-go years?
2: Well, it's, it's what you're spending the money on. Uh, in our projections, we kind of keep the, the expenses going up with inflation as we project out throughout our life. Not because we think you're going to spend more in your in your 80s than you are in your 60s, but because we think that you're going to transfer how you're spending that money. It might be more money on health care, like you said, in your 80s. We just want to make sure it's there in the plan so that we're, we're not projecting you to run out of money. We don't want that. One of the other things, though, with our plans is for the go-go years, we do do a separate calculation where we integrate like vacations and moving expenses right. and and college expenses for kids or whatever. Where we will add these these you, like sometimes I'll see that uh, we've added twenty thousand a year for ten years for additional travel costs, mm-hmm. but it's for ten years. And then we might definitely plug in what the Medicare supplement payments will be after age sixty-five. So that's another other expense we would plug in on top of your living expenses, on top of inflation, on top of income taxes. And so we try to get pretty granular when we put together our financial plans, especially on the spending side, because that's extremely important to get that right and kind of, you know, overestimate it so that there's some cushion there.
1: Yeah, you were talking about the Medicare supplemental uh, insurance or the plan B sort of thing. Right now it's $170.10 is what you pay up to a certain income level. But is that earned income? Let's, that I have money from investments which push my uh, annual income, you know, over $200,000. Does my Medicare Part B go up?
2: Yeah, it goes up. And okay, so that's so all integrated there. And then another thing people forget when they're looking at financial plans is that your income taxes go up at age 72 because you got required minimum distributions where, you, uh, as my analogy here, is you take money out of your left pocket and put it in your right pocket. <laughs> and on the transfer, the IRS grabbed a bunch of it. <laughs> there's, a toll. You, there's a toll. There's a 22% toll for a lot of people, you know, or whatever your marginal bracket it is. And so uh, you got to factor that into your expenses, too, that money won't be there uh, when you move it out of your IRA and into your checking account. And so uh, you have to account for that. So there's a lot of things to account for, a lot of unknowns, and by picking the wrong, you know, accelerators, uh, you can get way off on that. So uh, I like to, as I'm, my word there, granular. Like I like getting granular with those, and really feel like we have a good handle on the expenditures going out, and the expenditures at different times in your life, as you're talking about there, Jeff, the go-go years, the slow-go, and the no-go years. Mm-hmm. They're going to change what you spend. Your money is going to change, and accounting for
1: things that you you may want to spend extra money on. So you may spend the same amount of money. It's just that you're spending them on different things. Do people spend more money or less in your experience when they first retire versus when they were working? They tend to spend more
2: and a lot more because almost always when I'm talking to somebody, uh, we got home repairs. They've been getting put off. They've yeah. been working. Uh, they're going to build a new deck. They're going to add on. They're going to do a garage. They're going to remodel the bathroom. They're going to get new hardwood floors. Oh, they're going to get a new car. They've been driving the same thing forever. They want to get that. They want to go on this, the big cruise they've been putting off with the family. They want to do that. Or they want to move. They, they got moving expenses. They want to uh, move to Boise. They want to move to Texas. They want to move somewhere else. they got that. So generally speaking, there's, there's a big kind of a wish list. That, that occurs in the first two years coming out of retirement for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. You mentioned moving to Boise or moving to Texas, someplace like Austin. I mean, if you think you're going to be saving money by moving to those places, I think you've got a rude awakening because prices of those places are pretty much what they are here now. Yeah. It used to be uh, the planning would be, oh, you're going to sell your house in uh, Seattle
2: market and go there. Oh, you're going to have a lot of extra money to invest. Oh, no. Not, not anymore. Not anymore. That's gone. Uh, now you <laughs> might be in the hole because of the moving costs and the selling costs. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Uh, You're just trying to trade straight across. That that ship has sailed.
1: Do a lot of people look to relocate in their retirement so they can save money, or just because they want to live someplace different?
2: Yeah, some people do it with. And so I want to talk about this a little bit about making financial decisions, lifestyle planning because of money. And so I really like to focus on what do you want? We talked about reverse engineering. I had this conversation recently with this lovely couple, and they were talking about living in a particular state that they lived in, but they wanted to move back to Washington. But they were worried about our tax system here and and the estate tax, which is very onerous and such. And I I just asked the simple question, where do you want to live? Well, we want to live in Washington. It's the most beautiful place anywhere. I'm like, live in Washington then you know, let's figure out what you want in your life. And we'll worry about the other stuff later. We'll make sure you have credit shelter trust provision to protect against some of the Washington estate taxes, maybe even a plan later in life to move out of the state if you really, really don't want to pay that Washington state estate tax. But live the life you want to live. Again, the lifestyle planning is so important. And one of the chapters in one of my books, Prosperous Revelations, don't let the tax tail wag the dog, Mm -hmm. meaning don't make the decisions about your life because it taxes to the next generation. Live the life you want to live and plan for that. And then we'll work around that with the taxes and all the different things. But let's figure out what that great life looks like and and start planning for that.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people plan their lives around, you know, well, this is going to be this expensive or that expensive. And that's a very good point, Brian. I mean, life is for living. Why don't you put down what you want to do, where you'd like to live, then reverse engineer a way to, to make that happen. So again, that goes back to a comprehensive retirement plan Here at Madrona Financial Services, you know, we love to hear your stories. We love to hear what you want to do in retirement, help you design a plan that will help you get there. And, of course, uh, you know, one of the basics that you need is a financial plan that is well-rooted. If you would like to get your rooted wealth analysis, it will only take a couple of minutes. We have this on our website at madronafinancial.com. Simply go there and click on the Get Started button. There's just a couple of questions there. And once you've answered those questions, if you'd like to have a call with us to uh, further answer some questions that may not have been on the Rooted Wealth Analysis, we would welcome that too. But the first step is to go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button to get your Rooted Wealth Analysis. Not going to cost you a dime. Totally complimentary. And as always at Madrona Financial, there is no obligation whatsoever. madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button for your Rooted Wealth Analysis. Well, Brian, out of the time for this week want to thank you so much for your time. Really enjoy these hours that we spend together here on the radio. And, of course, I enjoy our audience as well, too. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out. Have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of
0: Growing Your Wealth. or diversification guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.
1: Sometimes it's good to be different. That's the philosophy Madrona Financial Services has operated by for more than two decades. While most other financial service firms can invest your money and prepare you for retirement, Madrona Financial knows that a comprehensive financial plan involves going a lot further. That's why in addition to investing your money, they also incorporate income tax planning. Many of their financial advisors are also CPAs. But the Madrona difference doesn't stop there. They also have an expertise in exit strategies for active real estate investors using a Delaware statutory trust. Lifetime cash flow, ways to pay for long-term care, trust, estate and legacy planning, and more. Try finding all that under one roof with your current financial advisor. If you want a different approach to securing your financial future, contact Madrona Financial for a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan by calling 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. Working harder, working together. That's the Madrona difference.
0: If you have an annuity or are thinking about getting an annuity, Do not buy one until you talk to the financial professionals at Madrona Financial Services. You may qualify for an upfront bonus and even guaranteed income growth. While some annuities can help you protect your assets in a volatile market, having the wrong one could cost you thousands. Don't let this happen to you. Call the professionals at Madrona Financial Services now for a no-obligation financial review at 1-844-MADRONA. That's 1-844-MADRONA. Or visit online at madronafinancial.com.